Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Straight Line with Ryan Leaf here for PointsBet Sportsbook from this live digital studio here in Manhattan, New York. All right, college football playoff rankings. The third iteration came out last night. It was put off till later in the evening because of the great basketball matchups and the Kentucky-Michigan State game went to double overtime. So essentially the rankings didn't come out until almost 10 p.m. Eastern last night. But no shock, nothing changed in the top five. They remained exactly the same as they were a week ago. Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, Michigan at three, TCU at four, the four undefeated teams remaining in college football at five, Tennessee, and at six, LSU. All right. Nothing changed there. Oregon, it was at Oregon, which was at what, six last week? They were at six last week. They get beat by Washington. So they drop and everybody just moves up. USC, you could argue, doesn't really even belong in the conversation uh, because of their schedule, right? Uh, and they have a loss. But it's just the way it's worked out. Uh, LSU at six, USC at seven. Should they be flipped? No. LSU has major better wins. I think the bigger conversation in all of this is, is, is will a Pac-12 team with one loss – which is the lone uh, team in USC that is left, can they get into the college football playoff? Can they leapfrog the likes of LSU and Tennessee? I think they can. I think what they do need is they need some chaos to, to happen, one of which can't be LSU beating Georgia. If LSU beats Georgia, and last week we talked with Brian McFadden about this, I am of the mindset that a two-loss SEC champion LSU Tigers doesn't warrant a trip to the college football playoff, unless, of course, you're going to put three SEC teams in. That's that's my answer to that. And you could argue, well, the SEC champ, no, well, Georgia's in. If Georgia's undefeated playing for the SEC championship, they're in if they lose. And then how are you going to put an LSU team that got absolutely boat raced by Tennessee on their own turf how are you going to put them in and not Tennessee because of some arbitrary line of demarcation that they call the East and West divisions of the SEC conference? If you went like, like what the Pac-12 is doing, what the, what, uh, what the ACC is going to get to, ultimately what the Big 12 does is there's no divisions. Tennessee and Georgia would be playing for the SEC championship. LSU would be out of the conversation already with two losses. Instead... They're still floundering a little bit and can cause a huge amount of chaos in the college football playoff. Let's say that happens. Let's say LSU wins. Georgia's in, and then what do you do? You put the SEC champion in. That's where most people go. But then you'd have to put Tennessee in because Tennessee beat them on their own field, right? So does that mean three SEC teams gets in? What about an undefeated Big, Tw Big Ten team? What about a one-loss Clemson team? What about a one-loss USC what about an undefeated TCU? You start doing the math around it, you're going to have to leave out somebody that's very deserving. Tennessee would be more deserving than LSU, I, I, I would argue, uh, even though they won the SEC. Now, what the Pac-12 needs, and let's say a TCU team that gets tripped up here in the last week or so, they need Georgia to hold suit. They need Georgia to run the table and go all chalk, be 12-0, 
13 and 0 when it's all said and done that removes LSU from the equation and then it's just a matter of whether the committee values a conference championship more than what Tennessee has put to the table that's where it is I thought when Tennessee was placed at five a couple weeks ago that that was their ceiling that they will not rise any further if TCU were to lose this weekend or lose in the Big 12 championship could Tennessee leapfrog them maybe you know the Big 12 champ would have two losses, and then that would be an excuse. You're not going to put a, a one-loss TCU team in that doesn't have a, a conference championship. But if they are, a, if they happen to get tripped up this week, let's say against Baylor, um, do you let them in over Tennessee, who doesn't have an SEC championship? So much that goes into it. Uh, I, I do think that, uh, that the Pac-12 – can't have anything nice. That's why they can't have anything nice. They absolutely eat their own, and it's what they did this week. I've nicknamed it the Conference of Cannibalism because that's exactly what it is. They just eat each other up, which would lead me to believe that UCLA would is going to beat USC this weekend. I'm on that call. I get to go back to L.A. for Thanksgiving and 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 call this this great football game that lost a little bit of luster because of UCLA getting beat by Arizona at home uh, last weekend. So uh, they could be a five-way tie at the top for the Pac-12 conference when it's all said and done. Uh, no entry into the college football playoff, but a Rose Bowl bid nonetheless to probably play the loser of Michigan-Ohio State, which would make up for a, a great matchup. That's another question, though, too. Let's say Michigan goes and loses a one-point game to Ohio State on the road in Columbus at the Horseshoe. Would the committee look, because they clearly believe that that Michigan is a very good uh, football team? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be very telling over the next few weeks. Chaos can happen, right? Chaos can ensue. Teams get beat who aren't supposed to get beat. We saw that last week in the Pac-12 with both Oregon and UCLA. Will it happen somewhere else? Baylor got trounced by Kansas State at home this weekend. TCU coming off one of the biggest wins ever against Texas with game day and all the pressure on the road. Uh, Do they have a little letdown in Waco? I don't know. We'll find out. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk all about the College Football Week 11 recap from this weekend, what teams played well, what teams didn't, and some of the movement in the college football playoff in terms of teams moving up, teams moving down, as well as the Gold Leaf Top 25. When we come back here on The Straight Line with Ryan Leaf. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Straight Line with Ryan Leaf. Um, before we get into the recap of this weekend's games, I want to talk about some of the biggest movers uh, and shakers in the college football playoff rankings uh, in their third week. Uh, the biggest move, uh, the University of Washington jumps eight spots from 25 to 17. Uh, two teams moved up four spaces. Florida State jumped up four spots. Kansas State jumped up four spots. And then Penn State jumped up three. Somehow they are the 11th team in the country. What Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State have done is they have covered up pretty much just kind of how shitty the Big Ten is. Like they have three elite teams. That's it. There's nothing else commendable about the the Big Ten. So that's what they've done. And somehow they're the 11th team in the country after 
the fact that they just can't get past Michigan and Ohio State. All right. Um, another uh, in the other direction, big movers that went down. Oregon dropped six spots. UCLA dropped four spots. Okay. TCU stays at number four this week. They took on Texas. I was I, I was I wasn't on board. I thought I thought at home. I thought Texas was ready to make a move. Um, I didn't quite you know know about the 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 line they were favored by. So we liked the money line for Texas, but TCU showed up and balled out defensively, offensively every possible way you could, and they dominated this Texas team. I'm going to give you some some stats from this game, all right? Um, TCU clinches the Big 12 championship berth. They'll play most likely Kansas State unless something drastically changes. It's going to be an all-purple Big 12 championship. So the first 10-0 start for TCU since 2010 when they went undefeated and won the Rose Bowl. That says a lot. Also, this is an incredible stat. It's unimaginable in terms of resources and recruiting and everything. TCU is eight and three against the against the University of Texas since the inception of the Big Twelve for TCU. Since they moved into the Big Twelve, they are eight and three. I mean, they have absolutely dominated this Texas Longhorns team. And Steve Sarkeesian has played has coached twenty two games. He's eleven and eleven. So not a great start for him they're six and four tcu 10 and 0 have a real chance at going 12 and 0 now with what they have ahead of them okay washington beats oregon now we were way off on this by the way we were four six and one this weekend another losing weekend nfl and college has really flipped uh, college football has kind of just taken a, a, a different route for us but oregon at home falls to washington I thought Oregon was going to walk in this game. 13.5-point favorites, I really did. Really impressed with what Washington brought to the table. Hate, hard for me to say that, especially wearing a Wazoo sweatshirt right now. But that's hard for me to say. Uh, they did. They played good defense, uh, and then their passing game is just an elite uh, unit. With Michael Penix Jr. once again having a great game, they, they, you know, it was a wonderful football game. If you had a chance to watch it, and then there was a couple decisions late in the game where Dan Lanning chose to go for it on fourth down, backed up. They weren't stopping Washington. But by not getting the first down, they essentially put Washington in field goal range. It was a tie, tie game at the time. I know it's been a, a lot of conversation around choices and decision-making. As a first-year head coach, those are the types of things that happen. Washington is now 8-2. and two. They snap a 13-game losing streak to ranked Oregon teams. That's significant, right? First win versus Oregon since 2017. Michael Penix Jr., second most in, uh, second most passing yards in school history. It's just behind Cody Pickett, who had uh, 4,400 passing yards. He's at 3,500 with two games remaining, plus a bowl game, possibly a championship game too as well. That that He, he could really be in for a 5,000-yard passing season, which would be unbelievable to get that kind of output from a transfer quarterback where a lot of people didn't know who was going to start Oregon they have to rebound quickly Utah comes to town this week Bo Nix is banged up Forsyth on the offensive line is banged up what does that look like eight game winning snap for Oregon they are eight and two with one loss in conference uh, they also snapped a 23 game home winning streak was the longest in school history that got beat 
All right, Alabama beats uh, Ole Miss. We liked Ole Miss plus the 12. Uh, ended up being 11 and a half. Still covered 30 to 24. Ole Miss had control of this football game for the majority of it. But Nick Saban gets it right with his team when they have the opportunity. Got into field goal range a couple times late in the game. Kicked field goals. The defense stood up and played. Seventh straight win versus Ole Miss for Alabama. Uh, Saban's 4-0 against uh, Lane Kiffin lifetime. Um, Judkins, the freshman running back for Ole Miss, broke the season single record for rushing touchdowns, 15. Uh, and then they had their 14-game uh, home winning streak snapped. So Alabama's 8-2. Ole Miss is 8-2. Both are out of the running. The loss by Ole Miss clinched the um, SEC West for LSU if they were to beat Arkansas, which they did barely, but they got it done. All right, moving along to North Carolina, who beat Wake Forest on the road. Uh, Four-and-a-half-point favorite. We got that one. We liked them. Or four-and-a-half-point underdog. We went with them and got that one. Uh, the under hit, which was 79 points. That was a lot of points. It's the first nine-win season since 2015 for North Carolina. This is a six-road win this season. That's the first time that's happened since 1925, if you can imagine that. Mac Brown's got his team playing well, and they've had a pretty good um, they've had pretty good play out of their quarterback position. A guy by the name of Drake May. I believe someone from the straight line liked this guy a few weeks ago. There's a guy that I was mentioning a little bit earlier, Drake May. He is plus 6,000, right? Is that what you guys said, plus 6,000? He's plus 5,000, sorry. Now, if you want some value, like, I mean, it, for him to win it, it would have to play out like I, like I think it possibly can, right? They would have to win the ACC. Uh, their only loss would be to a Notre Dame team. Notre Dame would then have to probably go on a run and beat the likes of Clemson and Syracuse and maybe even USC at the end of the year. Like if 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 UNC is a one-loss ACC champion, and Drake May has the stat line that I think he will have if they're in that place, you'd have to fight me to tell me that he isn't the best college football player in America, and that's what the award's for. All righty. I don't know what you guys think, but that's looking pretty good. I hope you jumped on that. I hope you jumped on that plus 5,000 a few weeks ago because uh, it could pay some dividends, right? I mean, they got some they got some matchups still left in the season. Their defense is poor, but they are so good on the offensive side. If they were to go and, and win the ACC with a win over Clemson, that would be their only ranked win of the year. Their loss would be to Notre Dame, which is, a, which is less – disturbing than the loss that Clemson took to Notre Dame and Notre Dame very well could be in the top 15 when the season's done so that would be a, considered a top 15 win or or, or or the loss that they had wouldn't look as bad because you'd have a top 15 team there we'll see but Drake May has been really special and people are starting to talk about it just you know just tooting our own horn here a little bit about how we were on him weeks ago before everybody else all right let's go to the gold leaf uh it's almost identical, almost identical to um, um, the uh, college football playoff committee, other than I have TCU at number three. Um, and then after Alabama, I have Utah at nine, Clemson at 10. My biggest mover, now don't forget, UW, we had UW at, set, at 18 a week ago. So this isn't a huge leap because of their win. We have them at 11. All right. The Gold Leaf has them at 11, Oregon at 12. 
North Carolina at 14. We have Penn State at 15, UCLA at 16. Um, down the line, K-State at 19, Notre Dame at 20. Oregon State jumps in. Uh, they're at 21. They make the, the college football playoff committee. The difference uh, for me is I have Purdue and Coastal Carolina in at 25 and 24, um, where the committee kept NC State in and put Oklahoma State in, two teams I don't think belong in the top um, in the top 25 right now. So that's week 12 for the Gold Leaf Gold Standard, uh, top 25. Looking at the college football playoff um, rankings once again, there are – I would argue from nine down, there are the Clemson Tigers at nine, USC at seven, and if we go with the thought process that a two-loss LSU team can't get in, then LSU is out of the conversation. Tennessee, TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia. at seven teams. Realistically, I believe there's seven teams that have a real shot at the college football playoff from this point on. I just do not know if North Carolina gets in, if they have, with the resume that they have. I, it would be a shame. It would be an absolute shame if they were to be 12-1 and one ACC champs and not get into the college football playoff. But I just don't think they have a really realistic chance, especially with where the committee has them at, right? At 13, that would need to be a significant jump over the final next few weeks where they're only going to have a matchup against Clemson that's going to be a deciding factor in game. So... Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that works and how that goes. Uh, but right now, I think it's clearly Clemson, USC, LSU, Tennessee, Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia are the teams that have a shot at the Final Four. Uh, and Clemson's on the very outside looking in because I don't know if if they would get in as a 12-1 and uh, ACC champ. I mean, the committee loves them. Don't get me wrong. They've been a part of the college football playoffs since its inception until last year. So we'll see. All right, when we come back, Hall of Fame head football coach from Notre Dame, South Carolina, Lou Holtz joins us next here on The Straight Line with Ryan Leaf. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Straight Line. One of our favorite guests uh, is joining us once again, Hall of Fame head football coach Lou Holtz. Coach, how are we doing today? I'm doing super. If it any better, I'd get a job. <laughs> I see you're rocking your uh, Augusta National uh, t- uh, shirt once again today. I like that. That's good th- Good things. <laughs> yeah, um, whatever's in the club that happens to be clean is what I put on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to have a bunch of those just sitting around, you know. It makes for makes for good attire when you come on the straight line. Uh, Notre Dame, your uh, your school there continues to find ways. They they get past a Navy team after a very big emotional win a week ago. Uh, how did you think they performed against the Naval Academy? Uh, and you know firsthand how difficult it is to play against those teams that run the triple option. Are we going to talk about the first half or the second half? They're up 35-14 in halftime. That's great. At halftime, you say to the team, hey, man, all we got to do is go out and win the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, we'll drink hot dogs or eat hot dogs and drink Coke, and we'll let your teammates play. They've worked awful hard. Give them an opportunity to play. But they didn't do it. They came out and did not play inspired football. I agree with you. The triple option presents an awful lot of problems to you. 
Nevertheless, if you played it well the first half, particularly on offense, you got to be able to do it the second half. Why does Notre Dame play Navy? Uh, it was 11-0 against Navy when I was at Notre Dame, and one, we did not have a real close game, and I recall. And I said, why do we play Navy? Well, during World War II, Notre Dame at that time was an all-boys school, and they almost had to close the doors because they didn't have enough students. That's when the Naval Academy came to them and said, we will run the V4 program, whatever it is. And that kept Notre Dame open. And because that Notre Dame is deeply indebted to Navy, they'll continue to play them as long as they wants to. It's, I, I always love the, uh, um, our, our military academy schools. Just, of course, everything they go through and have to, have to deal with and then to play football on top of that. Uh, I think it was uh, it was apropos playing them on on, on Veterans Day weekend. Uh, you know, we were able to um, showcase the sacrifice that our all our veterans. My father is a uh, uh, two-tour Vietnam veteran. My grandfather, who I was just speaking to to you with off air, is a is a Korean vet as well. So, um, uh, love that Notre Dame and that history that you just talked about it, it is there. Um, LSU two loss. SEC team survives a scare against Arkansas, uh, and in doing so, they clinch a a spot, a berth in the SEC championship. Uh, your thoughts on their performance, uh, or moreover, how Arkansas performed in a game where I don't think a lot of people gave them much of a chance. Arkansas performed brilliantly on defense, but offensively, they struggled a little bit. I felt the quarterback from Arkansas would perform better, but he didn't have an awful lot of help. Uh, LSU prevailed in that game 13 to 10. But let's give Brian Kelly an awful lot of credit. He knows how to win. I mean, he won at Cincinnati. You know, his team went undefeated. He won at Notre Dame. And he's winning at LSU. But he also has an excellent defensive football team. He hired the defensive coordinator who happened to be the linebacker coach with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, me personally, that isn't where I would go if I was going to hire a defensive coordinator. But he made a great decision. They're playing very, very well. They are still in the championship race. If they win out, they're going to make the playoffs. Of course, they have to beat A&M, but that should not be a problem. Before the year, you thought, wow, A&M's really going to be good, but they didn't qualify for a bowl. And they're paying Jumbo Fisher, what, $4 million a win now, whatever the case may be. So playing Georgia in this championship game will be a challenge for LSU, however, with JT Daniels, their quarterback, they have a chance. I mean, that guy can run, he can throw, very seldom sack, makes all kinds of plays, great competitor, unselfish, tough, physical, mentally tough. I, I think that you would be wrong to undersell LSU against anybody at the present time, particularly when they play very well in defense. Yeah, they definitely are. It's been a big topic of debate here on the show, Coach, uh, around LSU and whether or not, as a two-loss SEC champion, uh, they should get in. Um, you firmly believe if they are an, a, a, an SEC championship team that they would get into the college football playoff? I definitely believe they would. Uh, there's no doubt the 40-7 to loss they had against Tennessee is going to hurt them. But by the same token, they lost their opening ball game on a sort of a freak to Florida State. But, you know, they beat Alabama, and if they end up beating Georgia, beat Ole Miss, the list goes on and on. I mean, that conference is very, very difficult. And to be in a position where they are, 
is impressive. However, if they do win the conference championship and they get in and Tennessee doesn't, Tennessee's going to say, hey, wait, we didn't get a chance <laughs> to play the championship game. We beat LSU very badly, but I, I don't know. We'll just have to see it all unfold. But I've never seen a year where, Ryan, there are more teams that have a chance to be in the football playoff. I mean, we, we don't know who's going to be there between Michigan and Ohio State. Is uh, TCU going to get them defeated? Are they going to beat Baylor this week? Are they going to win the championship game? Uh, you can't tell. Ohio State, yeah, they're going to be in. Or Michigan, one the two are going to be in. So we just have to wait and see. Uh, the championship is really fun to win. I mean, you can say, well, at least we won our conference championship. If nothing else. And that's where LSU would have the rights to say, we are champions of the SEC, and we should get an invite. And I think they would. I, I think they'd be able to pay if they won out and did get an invite. Yeah, I think that's a, an incredibly interesting topic. I think it's going to be one that's going to be discussed and batted around. I, the The best thing for everybody involved, especially around the college football playoff, if Georgia just holds their line and it it plays out as chalk, and and they go in as an undefeated uh, champion into the college football playoff. All right. You just spoke. Well, wait, 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 one minute, Brian. I think it just all the justification why we need to go to an eight team playoff to be able to get a Tennessee and I would see whoever else is deserving into it. I agree with you. And I think that's the committee's meeting today. I, I think that's going to be moved forward. Uh, I don't know when, uh, in what year it will hopefully sooner rather than later. Cause it, this should, this year would be a perfect example of a great, early matchups in the college football playoff if you had a 12-team playoff, to your point. All right, uh, TCU holds off Texas. How has Sonny Dykes been so good in year one? Well, I, I think, first of all, their quarterback is playing outstanding football. Well, great competitor. Uh, you read the preseason magazine. They talked about his competitiveness. He led the team in rushing a couple of years ago. He's throwing the ball very, very well. Uh, Dugan is just a great competitor. On the other hand, they're playing very, very good defense. He went and hired the defensive coordinator from Tulsa. The reason, when Sonny Dykes was SMU, he lost twice to Tulsa, and it, it was really a good good move. Uh, they're playing very, very good defense. They have won five games by one score. They beat uh, Oklahoma State in overtime. They really struggled against Kansas State. And it looks like they will play Kansas State in the championship game. And if they do, I think Kansas State will beat them. Wow. Wow. That's big. If uh, uh, that would remove the Big 12 from the conversation because the committee's not going to put a, a non conference champion in out of the Big 12, I, I, I would suspect. No, I, I, I don't think so. What it would do is open the possibility for the Pac 12. You know, what's really amazing, uh, other than Oregon. We haven't really had a Pac-12 team in the championship race uh, uh, among the Final Four. The, as I said, there's only two types of teams at this stage of the year. They have a chance to accomplish something. They have a chance to ruin somebody else's. Arizona ruined UCLA's season last week. Now UCLA can do it to Southern Cal. Uh, you look at uh, Oregon. They got upset last week by Washington. Now Washington Penix. Uh, Transfer from Indiana played outstanding. But by the same token, I had no idea 
that the quarterback had transferred from Auburn, Bo Nick, could have the type of year he's having offensively. So I, I'd like to see somebody from the Pac-12 get in the playoff, but we're going to have to wait and see. Well, your, your Notre Dame Fighting Irish may have a say in that in that final weekend of the year in that Southern Cal <laughs> rivalry game. <laughs> that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. Uh, I have the call this week for I have the call for USC UCLA, so I'll get to see it firsthand uh, from the Rose Bowl. Well, I, I tell you what, you won't see good defense. No, we'll see a lot of points. I, I mean, they might, might as well play flag football. It's incredible, but offensively, I, I tell you what, I, I think that uh, Southern Cow is really good. I think her quarterback. Yeah. It's absolutely outstanding. I mean, he, he doesn't turn the football over. He, he can scramble. He can throw. He's a great competitor. They have three great receivers at Southern Cal. They, they run the ball by committee, but they're pretty effective. But it's on defense. You win championships with defense, and consequently, that's why USC lost to Utah because they didn't play real good defense, but they lost by one or two points. Uh, you mentioned uh, Texas A&M a little earlier, Jimbo Fisher, all of that. Uh, they no longer are, bel- are, are have the ability to be bowl eligible after their loss to Auburn. Um, what, what's gone wrong in College Station? They have the best recruiting class in all of football. They've played a lot of freshman five-star guys. Why, why have they not been able to win football games this season with so much talent on that roster? I think it all starts with a quarterback. If you don't have a pitcher in baseball, you don't have a goalie in hockey or soccer. You're, you're going to struggle. And the same thing with the quarterback. They have started three different quarterbacks. Now, I will say this, that last week, uh, Wickman uh, started the football game, threw for over 300 yards, four touchdowns, no intercept. was very, very impressive. But they have struggled at that position. They've gone through, as I mentioned, three different quarterbacks. Uh, they're not playing as good on defense, but – then again, the offense doesn't really protect it as per se. But uh, I, I I know Jumbo Fisher fairly well. He's a type of coach that has his hands on everything. And sometimes they had coach, you have to let go and have faith and confidence in other people. But I think they will get it straight. They'll get it rectified. But I want to say there are a lot of un- unhappy campers at Texas A&M alumni office right now. There definitely is. Uh, his ninety-plus million-dollar buyout uh, has kept him very, very safe, and allows for them to go through some of the struggles and deal with the adversity, hopefully in a positive way. All right. Uh, before we get you out of here, uh, why don't you give us uh, your game or games to watch this week in Week Twelve? I, I think the games that really interest are those that are going to determine the possibility of making the playoff. Uh, for example, USC and UCLA's a big ball game. Utah and Oregon's a big ball game to determine who's going to play the conference championship. I think you have to look at Baylor and TCU, TCU being undefeated. Uh, you look at uh, who's going to represent the West of the Big Ten. There are four different teams. They're basically tied for a lead. You know, Illinois, Minnesota, uh, uh, Iowa, et cetera. And Iowa plays Minnesota this week. Uh, Illinois has to play Michigan. So, It'll be they're just so many games. They're very interesting to watch, particularly when you understand how important the outcome is to TCU, to S uh, Southern Cal, and the list goes on and on. So I'm looking forward to this weekend. 
Yeah, me too. I really am. And uh, as always, we look forward to having you on the show today. Thanks again for taking the time. And uh, we'll get some of your insight down the line here when uh, some of these races uh, finish up and we head to championship weekend. It'll be interesting next week if Southern Cal win. Then they have to beat Notre Dame, and I'm not sure they can do that. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people thought that game was going to be a, a game that would be relatively close earlier in the year, but Notre Dame is playing extremely good football at the moment, and uh, you know very well what that rivalry game is like. And uh, so, oh, yeah, yeah uh, it'll be it'll some exciting times for Southern Cal, especially if they get the win and have that riding on a possible college football playoff berth for Lincoln Riley in his first year. Coach Holtz, thanks for taking the time once again. It's always good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You bet. That's Coach Lou Holtz, Hall of Fame head coach for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, joining us here on the straight line. All right, when we come back, I'm going to take you through our college football picks for the biggest games this weekend right here on the Straight Line with Ryan Leaf. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thanks to Lou Holtz for joining us, as always. Uh, Such great insight, and it's so fun to talk to uh, the legend himself. Um, this This weekend's slate of games. Let's start with the game I'm calling. USC at UCLA uh, was told this week it's a sellout, seventy thousand seats sold. Um, we'll see if they're actually in the in if there are actually butts in the seats. But this is a great rivalry. This is it's a great rivalry. It's inner city rivalry um, that that makes it very special, and it has a lot of ramifications, especially for USC because they are the lone Pac-12 school left that has a chance at the college football playoff. UCLA gets beat by Arizona a week ago, and just like we talked about earlier, the Pac-12 eats its own uh, and just cannibalizes itself. And instead of this game being a matchup between two one-loss teams vying for uh, the college football playoff, it, it puts a lot of emphasis on USC. And I don't know how a young, you know, young group of, of players such as UCLA take that. I hear they're already bounced back. They're talking about hanging 60 on USC and stuff like that. I get it. But, I mean, they absolutely blew it. What they, they need a lot of help. They need to beat SC to have two losses uh, along with themselves. They'd have the tiebreaker over SC. And then they need, they need Utah to get beat. They need Utah to get beat by Oregon. And they need Oregon to get beat by Oregon State. That's what they would need to play out. And if that were the case, everybody would have two losses, and then UCLA would be in the mix, I think. They, it would probably be an UCLA-Oregon rematch for the Pac-12 championship. That's what that would look like. So I just don't think they have it in them. Uh, UCLA is too, too, has too much firepower, though they did lose Travis Dye last week. Their star running back is out. Austin Davis is going to be asked to do a, a ton um, for this football team. I expect he will. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the Pac-12 conference. Uh, He's going to have a big game. So let's go USC minus the two and a half points. I was looking at the the total. Who knows? There there may be, you know, 100 points scored in this game, to be honest with you. Uh, Because I don't know if either defense could stop each other. So we'll see. USC minus the two and a half. Number 10, Utah at number 12, Oregon. Okay, Oregon back-to-back home games against quality opponents. Uh, 
Utah is a three-point dog, which is telling everybody that they see this game as pretty even. The three points comes with, with playing in Austin Stadium. We don't know if Bo Nix is going to be fully healthy, as well as one of his offensive linemen, his best offensive linemen in Forsyth. How do they rebound from losing? How does Dan Lanning get back into coaching? What does that look like, you know, in terms of, you know, second-guessing himself in games? And, and you have a coach that has been through it all. This, this team has did, been through the most uh, uh, adverse adversity that there is. Uh, off the field, on the field, all of it, and they've found ways to win. This is my upset of the week as well as uh, a win for Utah. Went Utah plus the three, and they're also my upset of the week. I think they went outright in Autzen uh, to stay straight with one loss uh, in the Pac-12 conference, which will get them to the Pac-12 championship game uh, for the fourth consecutive year, I think it would be. So let's see what Kyle Whittingham and the Utes have in store for the Oregon Ducks. All right, TCU at number four at Baylor, who just was embarrassed at home by Kansas State. Did not see that one coming. Actually thought Baylor was going to stand up and do much better. Instead, they get run out of their own place. TCU comes into town after a huge win. Is that emotionality going to play into it? I think it does a little bit, but still enough to win by a field goal. I have TCU minus 2.5 versus Baylor. All right, Georgia minus 22.5 at Kentucky. The total, 49.5. I never quite know what to do with with Georgia. They can score a lot of points, and their defense is good enough to shut people out. But they also, like when they played Florida, let Florida score a bunch of points, and the over was, was smashed when we had the under. I'm going to go with the with the big spread this week. Kentucky lost to Vanderbilt a week ago. I, I just feel like Georgia is peaking, uh, and I know that's a lot of points, and I know they probably don't want to get a lot, of, a lot of guys run late in games because of injuries and things like that leading to the SEC championship. But I just, I, I just think Will Levis and the Kentucky Wildcats uh, are in a, in a downward spiral, and there's no way of getting out of it. So I'm going to go Georgia minus the 22.5. It's a lot. We usually don't take those big lines here on the straight line, but, but we're going to this week. I just think Georgia just dominates in this football game, showcases that they are the best team in the country. Illinois at number three, Michigan. Illinois gets beat by Purdue a week ago. Uh, they run the football well. There's going to be limited possessions because Michigan does, but the over-under total is 42 points. That's low. I mean, Michigan could win this game 42 to nothing. So I do think tennis, I, I do think Illinois finds a way to score a point or two. Uh, so let's go over here. Let's take the over 42 points in this matchup. All right, our final game that we're going to look into, Tennessee at South Carolina. Tennessee is a 21.5-point favorite. South Carolina cannot do anything offensively. It's going to gain a lot of confidence for that Tennessee defense. And we saw a week ago how Tennessee scores. They can score 66 themselves, that which is the total. Okay, so let's go Tennessee with the big number. We're, we're riding with the big numbers this weekend. Tennessee minus 21.5 gets you through it. All right? Uh, you know our upset of the week, Utah over Oregon at Autzen, our college football Parlay of the week, USC minus two and a half, Utah plus three, and TCU minus two and a half. That will get you taken care of for the college football weekend. Enjoy it. Only two weeks left, everybody. We'll be back next week and get you all covered and ready for the final week before championship weekend here in college football. With Ryan Leaf 
and my great group of producers here on the straight line. We thank you, and we'll see you next week, everybody. <laughs>